0: Pray and prophesy, whatever. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough room in here to do a Jericho <laughs> march. <laughs> oh, <my goodness>. That's <laughs> what I say. Fun in 21. Yes. One 21. Amen. You know, um, I know that this campus, uh, we we love what God is doing here with the North Campus. We send. Greetings and bring greetings from everybody at the Irondale campus. We are excited, Jennifer and I, to be here to celebrate kind of this grand opening, if you will, of of this building and what God has done. You know, isn't it amazing that for those that will trust and believe God and that will walk with Him, that they increase in 2020 and that they increase during a time when coronavirus hits and all of that, and that we didn't have to draw back, but Absolutely. that um, uh, for, for you that may not know, for the whole Life of Faith organization, God has increased us in every metric, in every aspect over 2020. And so, so we don't look at 2020 as um, a difficult year for us um, we, we look at 2020 as we understand that the world and many people went through difficult times um, and 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 those times aren't over by the way okay so so the question is is how do you position yourself because and I, and I know here one of the things really important to 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 this church family uh, is food Amen. <laughs> from the very beginning <laughs> That's where we need the organ right there. Wow. Um, but you know, the kingdom of God is not food. That's right. It's not meat and drink. That's what, that's what the Bible says. That's right. it, we, get to, we get to fellowship and commune around that. Thank God for it. But it is what? Does anybody know what the kingdom of God is? It is righteousness, righteousness joy, joy, and, and peace and in the Holy here. Ghost. Amen. It's not like sometimes we feel righteous, sometimes we have fun, and every now and then we feel peace. It actually is our normal environment Amen. as right. children of God, right. and, that, that, and that that joy-filled, peace-filled environment mm-hmm. happens. It can happen every single day regardless of what's going on around your life. <laughs> That's Hudson. I knew that before he. Had, I recognize those feet anywhere. <laughs> and so and, 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 and so joy see, uh, um, positionally so, so many times our, our approach to life is, man, I want to be in that place of joy. I want to be in that place of peace I, in other words in, in other words, our perspective is that we are on a journey to to joy or on a journey to peace, but we're just not quite there yet and and so. Since we're just not quite there yet, it's the the carrot that you put in front of the horse, right? The horse keeps wanting to go, and so he keeps walking towards. Him. And so we see joy and peace as a destination to be reached, and not a and not a place to enjoy, very good. not a place to just live from. Very good. See, and and so uh, so for us, um, Jennifer and I, we. Uh, we decided years ago that we weren't going to keep trying to live life to reach that place of joy and to reach that place of peace. We tried that for a long time, didn't we, Wendy? <laughs> um, for a long time. Wendy's been part of, part of uh, our church for 30 years. 35 years. Okay, last time I said 25, and I, I, I knew, I, I'm i going to get it eventually. Uh, uh, um, You just don't even look old enough to be, I mean, but see, that's what happens. Listen, listen, if you really want to learn how to live from a place of joy, then you need to get to know Wendy, the ambassador of joy, right there. She just exudes it everywhere she goes, right? And so... And so, anyway, we and so these are some of the things I want to talk to you about this morning. God's really put a word on my heart to to really uh, uh, to kind of maybe bring some things together. You know, I know that kind of the topic for this weekend is no fear. Um, And so, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we've discovered in our journey because I was probably the most fearful, fearful person, full of fear. Person that you would have ever met, very timid, very. I mean, I I I grew up kind of playing instruments and things like that. I started learning piano, and even in in that, I I froze. I always froze at recitals. You know, uh, my first semester at college, my only semester at college. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was majoring in music, and, and, and so going for my final exam, and, 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 and my final exam was to play this very long classical piano piece, and, and, and so what you do is you walk into this auditorium, it's all empty, three professors sitting on the front row, you have to walk the, the whole long thing and then step up onto the stage, grand piano, you, you talk about intimidating. And so here I am, and you have to do the whole thing from memory. So there's no music or anything like that. And I'm, I'm playing along, I'm playing along, like, God, please just help me get through it. Please help me get through it, you know, and sweating and all of that. And, and then halfway through it, I'm like, I just completely forgot two lines of music. Just skip right over it. I would degraduate graduate with a C. Praise God for that. <laughs> But it just, and, and, and anything that I did in ministry, anything I did in church, anything that had any focus on me whatsoever, um, I just froze. And, and so I was fine doing things behind the scenes. I was fine helping in church behind the scenes. I was fine doing anything that didn't require me to stand here. And, and so I dealt with fear my whole life. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and let's take a look at verse 67. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. So this is... So, so we're going to talk this morning a little bit about how to move from a fear-filled life to a joy-filled life, Amen. to where you live, that your default, so everything really is about the default, your default response to situations, your default response uh, to your circumstances, your, your, your default outlook on life. Because I think so many times that that people kind of respond alive from a defensive posture, we're, we're in defense mode. You know, we're trying to keep fear from coming in. We're trying to keep this from happening. We're trying to we're trying to ward off fear. We're trying to ward off Satan. We're trying to ward off evil. We're trying to so 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 we're all, always in this defensive battle minded, battle minded mentality, um, just trying to trying to maintain our ground and every now and then maybe take a little bit more ground in life and eventually, someday, our ship will arise. Someday, we'll, we'll, we'll finally experience the blessing. Someday, but our someday hasn't happened yet. Again, outlook, perspective, the way that we approach life. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, is that what Jesus meant for a born-again believer? Is that... Is that the life that He intended for us to live? One that ups and the downs, and we deal with the fears, and we deal with the darkness, and we deal with the problems, and we're always fighting off and warding off the enemy. And sometimes we're just exhausted. Life becomes exhausting. And, but one day, come on, let's just press through. How many of you have heard that? Got to press. Got to press. We're going to press in. We're going to press through. We're going to press out. And, and so, is that what Jesus meant? So in John chapter 10, verse 10, a lot of you know it well. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, we can simplify that. We can simplify that. And a lot of people say, well, the thief is the devil. But I can tell you that there's a whole lot of other thieves besides the devil. That is out to destroy your life. Let's just not just blanket say, the devil's the one. The devil's creating this. The devil, and the same thing is true with fear. Very good. Very good. Because we we will will tend to if we don't we don't really analyze. Here's what happens in church. Okay, what happens in church? is we get all spiritual in our language we get all and, and, and so we've coined our own language we've created our own language we call it christianese yeah. Yeah. you know hey brother how are you i'm blessed and highly favored of god okay <laughs> And so we have, we have our own language that nobody else understands, but we understand it inside of our church organization. And so, and so what we'll do is, is when we don't have real answers, so we're not allowed sometimes to truly dig deep and to analyze the heart of a matter. You know, we try, to, we, we try to hit things from the surface because it's too, it's too difficult sometimes, it seems, to get into um, the way that fear hits people differently. So, instead of dealing with how does fear hit Brad, how does fear hit Audra, how does fear hit Jennifer and all of that, instead of kind of navigating all of that, what we'll do is like, it's the devil. <laughs> devil bad, God good, that's all we need to know. And then, and then what happens is, is we're never given real answers Very good. and how to deal with stuff. And so fear doesn't just come from the devil. Sure, he's, he's the originator of so many things that create fear, but he's not this all-powerful spirit that somehow is able to inject fear into your heart. He can't do that. Okay? So when it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, there are things in your life that can become distractions. There are things in your life that will rob you of the life that God wants you to have. There are things in your life. You'll, it could be something as simple as your favorite hobby that what happens is, is, is you've, you've allowed yourself to get so sucked into Um, You know, for men, it could be fishing and hunting. I'm sorry, that's sacred. Yep, heresy. There it is, right there. I just crossed the line. You could get so sucked into that that it becomes your, it becomes, it, it takes up all of your time, right? That's all you think about, all you want to do. And so what happens is, is you have no room in your life for sometimes the things that God wants you to do. The plans of God. And so what's happened is your, your hobby, your fun, those kinds of things has become a thief and has robbed you from the life that God wants you to have. That's very it's not because the devil made you hunt. That's right. That was true. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. That was true. So, I know. I, uh, uh, um, somebody, somebody say personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. All of a sudden, somebody says, this is not going to be a fun message. <laughs> it's awesome. But I get the opportunity to share some things that, one, has completely revolutionized and transformed our life. And then, two, has taken us to a different level of living that we tried to go after for 40 years of life. I was always trying to reach forward. I, I, look, I grew up in a faith environment. I grew up in hearing about the Word of God, but yet I still had not experienced that joy on a consistent basis, the life of God, that freedom from fear. I was bound by it in different ways, okay? And so Jesus said, but I've come that you might have what? Life, Life." John 10, 10. Mm -hmm. And that you might have it more abundantly. Now that doesn't sound like that you experience good every now and then. Very good. That's true. The first thing it tells me is that before I received Jesus, what I thought was life was simply existence. Oh, very good. That's a good. That's well said. That's so good. I've come that you might have life, not just exist. Very good. That's so good. And then, so to take you into a place where you weren't, and then to take you beyond that into one that you could enjoy. Amen. Our, you know, um, they've got better together up here. Our motto here at Life of Faith, and we just kind of shifted this whole thing and just kind of whittled it down to a simple phrase, is simply this, experience God, enjoy life. That when you truly experience God, it will with it bring a truly a joy-filled life. So good. Now, when you're living a joy-filled life, guess what happens? Fear doesn't become a consideration. Very good. You actually don't end up spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to deal with fear. You're having too much fun experiencing God. <laughs> Very good. That's so good. And so and so and so what the the shift can be that you're, not, you're no longer trying to resist fear and get rid of fear and that sort of thing, that you're so enraptured and so filled with the life that you're experiencing with God that fear now becomes a distant memory and a distant thought. Now, how many of you would like to have that kind of life? Okay, so that's what we're talking about this morning. Okay, this is fun. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. This is John the Baptist's father. He had been mute. He had, he had not believed the word of God concerning John the Baptist, you know, being being born to him. And so it says in verse 67 that his father, Zacharias, so this is right when the baby was born, right when John was born. His father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is really important. Because what we're about to get is not Zacharias' opinion. Okay? Because it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. So the next words that I'm about to read come straight from, from the mouth of God. Okay? Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. I want you to notice that, and just kind of keep this in your memory for a moment, I want you to notice that the very first thing that he begins to speak about that that, that God draws attention to is what he has spoken over generations. Very good. See that in verse 70? As He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets who have been since the world began. So, so again, the first thing God's going to do is always bring you back to what He has said yeah. Very good. and what He has spoken. And that's our starting point. Anytime you're dealing with fear, whatever your situation is, your starting point is what has God said? Very good. Not... What's the what is the situation that I'm facing? That's right. That's right. Do I hear that? Yes. yes sir. Because so much of the time we're rehearsing the situation that we're facing wow. right. instead of rehearsing what is it that God has spoken over my life for generations. Amen. And so what I have to do is I have to shift. Because everything concerning fear and how and your outlook on life. Everything has to deal with one area of your life, and that's your heart. Everything yes. proceeds from your heart. That's why in Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty says, "My son, attend to my words." Again. Let's get back to the Word. My, uh, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Uh, um, and then it goes on and it says, you know, for their life. It says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Talking about the Word of God and what God has spoken. For they are life unto those that find them. They are health to all their flesh. You know, um, I know that uh, uh, Selena just has this, this natural affinity and, and gift um, for natural remedies and different herbs and things like that, and and so <laughs> she's not a witch doctor. She's not a doctor, and we're not talking about the herbs that are legal in California or Colorado, but not legal here. We're not talking about those kinds. And so, and so here's the thing. Why do I bring it up? Here's the thing. So there are certain there there, there are certain things that she knows that works that if you were to talk to her, hey, I'm dealing with with you know with this problem, this pain, that sort of thing, that she has an understanding, she has knowledge about some things that has been tested in her life and other people's lives. And so what happens is is that as a result of that she's not looking for a new solution. She's not looking for a a better solution Herb. She's not looking for something like that. She's got, she's got her, she's got her tried and true methods that, that she goes with, and she she holds on to those things because they are health to her to to her physical body, right? And and so I'm just using this as a natural example. The things that we know that work, okay, we hang on to, and when we run out of coffee at the house. <laughs> We go, we go roast more. So we we, you yeah you go roast more and in, in our case um, it's like we can't function till <laughs> <laughs> so we get to, Jennifer this morning is like oh no we're almost out of coffee beans we got to do something like we're gonna we're gonna intentionally make the preparation to go to the store to get the coffee beans before we run out yes
1: yeah.
0: otherwise tomorrow's not going to be a good day. Here's my point. I get up before you, so I'll be fine. they <laughs> are like, I just drank the last cup of coffee. What's you going to do about that, sucker? So the things that are important to us, the things that we know produce certain things. i got a whole stash of chocolate at home. We, I have to have that dark chocolate, about 80% or so. Get a couple of little squares a day. Mm, it's good stuff. But then when I run out, I just never run out. <laughs> the Word, when you understand it, when you discover that what God has spoken is really, it truly is life to you. It's truly health to your flesh. Then what will happen is you'll have... Your own personal private stash of Scripture, of the yeah. Word of God, Very good. That's good. of the things that you know work Amen. because you have an experience with it. Yes. Selena didn't have her herbs and things like that, that just, oh, well, somebody told me this works, but would never use it. No, she she she'll tell you from experience what works, and you might the first time uh, give me give me an odd name of of maybe something that uh, we wouldn't normally. Ashwagandha. You, what? Ashwagandha. Uh, did you say ashwagandha? Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. Yeah. Has anybody ever heard of ashwagandha? What in the world is that? Now, it, okay. What is that? <laughs> Do I even want to know what that is? Now, if, if 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 Selena handed you something that said this is ashwagandha. Yeah, my my first response to that is like okay, tell me what's in it. I need more not like I'm going to I'm not responding with, "Oh yeah, give it to me. I'm ready to take it." Because I have no understanding, I have no knowledge, that's foreign to me. But because I know Selena, she said, No, trust me, this is gonna make you feel better. This is going to have this effect. This is going to. So, what I'll do is I will take it based on Selena's word and experience, and because of my relationship and knowing her, that she's not going to, she doesn't mean anything harm to, for me. Very good. That's right? Very good. And, so, I'm, and so, I, so I take that out of relationship. But now, guess what? I have an experience. And ashwagandha was amazing. <laughs> it's, it's for stress and anxiety. It's for stress and anxiety. And I'm like, woohoo! there's no stress left, no anxiety. Come on, give me some more of this stuff. You know, that kind of thing. See, when Jennifer and I got married... We had, to, we had to get to know one another. You don't just like immediately. So, so for me, um, you know how the Bible says uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and uh, cleave to the wife of his youth and they shall uh, become one flesh. So, so becoming one isn't the moment you say I do. That's right. Very good. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're one. No, no, your life now becomes a life of becoming one. Very good. I understand her more today than I did the day we got married. Thank God Not that i've figured everything out because women 's women moves in mysterious ways but here 's one thing here 's one thing you 'll never figure that out it 's god 's joke on humanity the one thing I learned pretty quickly, so about a, eh, six months, a year into our marriage, um, uh, Jennifer, like, um, I'm pretty ticklish, and, and, and I do not like to be tickled. <laughs> and, she, and, and she learned this pretty quickly. Oh, Mark does not like to be tickled. So what do you think that did to her? Inspired tickling. Okay, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Because here's the problem. She's not. I can't get her back. I tried. It didn't. She's like, I feel nothing. So frustrating. And so, and, and so one particular Saturday, uh, you know, she's just messing around. She's tickling me. I'm like, stop it. I don't like this. Please don't do this, you know, kind of thing. She said this. She said, Mark, she said... Listen, it's, it's, I can't help myself," she said. "But if you will do this, if you will just lay there and <laughs> if, if 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 you will if you will just lay there and just take it, just let me get it out of my system." <laughs> I will never tickle you again. Now, that sounds like a deal right there. I did not know her well enough to know that she was lying to me. <laughs> so, like a dummy, I laid there and I'm like, okay. <laughs> have at it, and she did for what seemed like an eternity, (laughs) and and finally it's over, and and, and I finally like, ah, I'll never have to experience that ever again until the next Saturday. (laughs) I was like, well, what happened? I thought you said you would never do it again. She goes, I lied. (laughs) My whole point is, you know, there are some things that I've learned about her over the years, and I know... When she means something and when she doesn't. And I know, you know, now we have this experience now, this more oneness and, yeah, and marriage. True. And the yeah. thing is, is as we, as we grow, as you grow, how does this apply to us? As you grow in your relationship with a father, as you move into the experience of what the word of God will do for you, as you always go back and you hold on to those things that you know that'll produce life and that'll produce health, then what happens is he says, because he says, guard your heart. With all diligence, in other words, above everything that you guard, guard your heart. Like if there's anything, you know, like, like we'll guard, our, we'll guard our, our, our bodies, we'll guard all these different things in, in our lives, but are we really discerning and are we really intentional about our heart? Because there's only one thing in your life that determines the boundaries of your life. And it's not what somebody's saying to you. It's not what somebody's doing to you. It's not what the government's doing. It's not what the culture's doing. It's not even what coronavirus is doing. It's not what a politician is doing. Politician is doing. None of that determines your limitations or the boundaries of your life, not according to the Word of God. He says, out of your heart flow the issues, and that Hebrew word actually means sets the boundaries of your life. And so, if you don't, as as you look at your life and where you've been limited, if you don't like where you are right now, then the first thing you can't do is blame somebody else for where you are. Very good. That's so true. Not according to the Word of God. The first thing you have to do is what 's going on in my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the place that faith springs from, yeah. but it 's also the place where fear springs from. Mm-hmm. So I want you to hear me really well um, and, you know so i 'm going to say some things maybe that's uh, I just want to uh, you can only live out of the revelation that you know, okay so nothing that I say here is meant to um, uh, is it, meant to go sideways with some of the things that we heard yesterday. But what I want to do is I want to just um, I want to take you to a it, it, I, I want to go deeper into some things, Very good. some things that I've just some things that I've learned, okay, and 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 what I've seen in the Word, okay. So let's let's go ahead and and, and let's go back to um, Luke chapter one for a moment. So because I understand that. That in our spirit, man, that we've been given a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. So enough people talked about that yesterday. That um, a spirit of fear, and when I say a spirit of fear, um, I'm not. T- uh, this is this is Mark's opinion. So uh, there's not a demon by the name of fear. Very good. That's true. Okay. Um. There are demons that want to produce fear. Very good. In in any way, however they do that when they show up, you know. But 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 there's not a fear demon. It's just that darkness and evil and sin and all of that. What it wants to do is it's, it wants to, to, to cause you to be limited by the f- by fear. And so what it they'll manifest in different ways so that it'll generate fear in your heart. Okay, so, so, so fear and faith and all of that, it actually still gets generated in your heart. And so depending on what your approach is and your outlook is to life and what it is that you're feeding into your heart will determine the output that you get. Okay? It's just like with a computer. I mean, I'm a computer programmer. I've done computer work for 30 years. As a matter of fact, my very first customer is right down the road. Lawniest Furniture. So about 30 years ago. And, and so a computer can only do what it was programmed to do. A computer just doesn't by itself one day decide, you know what, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I think I'll just do something different. It doesn't do that. Your heart's kind of the same way. You, you, the output that you get in, the, in your life is what's been input into your heart. Very good. Very good. It's the way that you've been programmed. Great Very good. This is the reason why teenagers and adults live more in fear than children do. Very well said. I need to say that one more time. This is why teenagers and adults live more in fear than children do. Very good. Because children when they're first when they're born if they if they if if, if they you know live in a a loving environment if they if, if they didn't suffer abuse early on, okay? So I'm just talking about just kind of in the normal course of things, they just believe everything. Yeah. They just go for it. They're just ready. They just—they're outgoing. They want to do those kinds of things. They have to be programmed either through experience or through information or through uh, training or whatever to begin to be afraid. And so, and then what happens is we end up um, living fear-filled lives because of the way that we've programmed our hearts over many, many, many years, and that becomes our normal output. So what has to happen is I don't need to be delivered from a spirit of fear because the day I got born again I got delivered. Very good. Uh, I got. Let me let me camp there for a second. I haven't even got to my main scripture yet. What time is it? Twelve oh six. Man, I need to. I need to. I need to go. All right. So. Hmm. Pause that thought. Let me, let me finish reading this in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And then I'm going to give you some practical things to help move you into that place of a joy-filled life and move you away from a place of a fear-filled life. Um, and so, so here again, it says, Blessed be the, the, the Lord God uh, of Israel. Uh, verse sixty eight for he has visited and for for he has so this is all past tense he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began that verse seventy one this is huge that we should be saved from our enemies. Wow, this is cool, this is awesome so what 's the first place? That the Holy Spirit went to concerning the word, that we would be saved and delivered from our enemies. Yes, okay. So if that was so important in this prophecy, can we say that that what Jesus came to do was to save us from our enemies? That's right. And from the hand of all who hate us, 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being... And here's here's where I want to camp for a moment. to, To grant to us that we being now what? Delivered from the hand of our enemies... Might serve him without fear. And so here's what. So so here's your starting point. Here's your outlook. This is what Paul was trying to do with Timothy when when Paul told Timothy. Timothy was dealing with you know being timid. So that word fear when it says um, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That actually isn't the normal word we would use for fear. The normal word, the normal Greek word we would use for fear is phobia. That's like terror, you know, and, and these kinds of phobias. You know, Kevin, I was thinking about you uh, the other day. I was thinking, you know, with, with the, the Conan the Barbarian reference and, and the different things and, and, and the things that you enjoy, you know, I thought, you know, maybe the word for Kevin is that before you can slay a dragon, you need to hold a snake Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it might be a while while. just kidding he talked a little bit yesterday about um, snakes are not his thing at all but um yeah that's not a word from god by the way i just thought i would let let you know that i was having fun thinking about that so you know although i did have um One experience. And and this shows you this shows you how sometimes fear, the way you deal with it, isn't by rebuking it. Very good. good. I rebuke fear. (laughs) I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And you still have it. Very good. Very good. Why? Because Jesus has already delivered you from it. Now you have to walk in the reality of what a fear-free life looks like. I'll just give you a natural example. Um, when my kids were little, I think Brooke was in the second grade. We're getting them ready to go to school. I was outside waiting for them to get in the car, and I was looking around in one of the bushes. At our house, there was a garden snake, a little green snake that was up in the bush. I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> Now, I've never picked up a snake like that in my life. But I know that garden snakes can't, or they're not poisonous. They're not going to hurt you or anything like that. So how many of you believe that garden snakes are not poisonous? Can I see a show of hands? Okay. How many of you believe that they, that they, that they can't hurt you? How many of you believe that? Can I see a show of hands? <laughs> not quite as many, but they can, still bite you. they can bite you, but I mean, but, 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 but they're not going to, you're not going to die. That's right. Okay, like so you believe that, right? You know that. Kevin, do you believe that? No. no. <laughs> All snakes are bad. All snakes are bad. Look, so we have we have knowledge that theoretically green snake, garden snake can't hurt you, right? Okay. it do what it can make you hurt yourself. it make you hurt yourself. You'll trip over things trying to get away from it, (laughs) stuff like that. Um, So here I thought, I thought, oh, this would be cool. So when the kids came out, like, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. Let me show you the snake. Oh, that's really cool, Dad. I was like, you know, you can pick that up and play with it. I mean, it really won't hurt you. Really? Yeah, yeah. See, we're really good to tell other people about what, about what they can do that free of fear while secretly we're nursing our own fear. And so, and, and so Brooke says, will you do that for us, Dad? I'm like, no. No, no, no. Y'all go ahead. Aren't we really good to, to try to help people get over their fear while we're secretly doing it? I'll never forget it. Brooke, now Brooke, uh, she's got these big old eyes, right? You know, just, I mean, you can get lost in them. She looked up at me and tears started to fill up. She goes, You mean I got to go to school today and tell my friends that my dad was afraid of a green snake? What do you do with that? So I said here, I've never done that in my life. I've never picked up a green snake. Uh, but I can't, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to i am not going I am not going to be ratted out by a second grader. Come on. I have some dignity. And so with great effort, I was like, oh, just do it. Reached up, grabbed that snake behind its neck, and you know, and then you know, started. I was like, "Hmm." (laughs) "Who's the man now?" (laughs) (laughs) And and once they saw, oh, this a preach. I hadn't even thought about this until this moment. Once they saw their dad, it was okay. And once I led. Very good. Then, Very good. then the next thing I had was three kids that were playing that were playing with green snake, you know, <laughs> this this thing all day long and just enjoying you know, enjoying it. Do you remember it, Seth? Do you remember that? I remember. It's probably old. yeah. So anyway, um, but they would not have done it until I led. Very good, and you know, with what God has called you guys to be at Life of Faith North, you are called to be. You, a leader and to lead others, not just to tell people what their destiny is, but to show people yeah. through your own experience. So you, but I could have sat there and let fear, let the fear of it, and it wasn't that the devil brought the fear. Yeah. See? Uh-huh. It was just my simple, even though I had this knowledge that it can't hurt me, there was this, this, this fear that I had to act against. Very good. And and I will tell you that in my life personally. So when we talk about personal responsibility, here's my starting place so that I can kind of start bring it in for a landing, okay? So so I can give you some practical things to begin to 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 consider. The Holy Spirit will minister these things to you on your own, okay? The first thing you have to determine is what is your starting place? What is your starting place? Because if your starting place is the size of your problem, then you're starting from the wrong position. Very good. Very good. Remember what Paul was trying to tell Timothy? He was bringing to his remembrance what was true. The truth is, Timothy, you've not been given a spirit of being timid. That's really what he was saying, of being kind of of backing off. Actually, what God has given you is a spirit it's a spirit full of love and power and of a sound mind. And and so what he was doing was he was positioning him back to the right starting point. Because if my starting point is I'm afraid, then what happens is the fear and whatever it is that I'm looking at becomes more real and becomes bigger than what God has said. Okay, so, so you have to know the Word if, you're start, if that needs to be your starting place. Because if you don't know what God has said, then all the other information that's hitting you is going to create a different imagination. Everything is about the picture that you carry on the inside of you. Hear this well. And, the, and, and so now what I'm dealing with, fear will manifest itself in many different forms and from many different ways. So instead of dealing with the root of where this fear came from, that's noise. That's a distraction. I don't, I don't get into the source of fear. Okay? Because there's an answer to fear. Always. So I always start with the answer. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. We look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith that's my starting point okay so my starting point if if i don't know what the word has said about my situation or the word of god what god has spoken so so again uh, just uh, just as a as a as an instruction point how we how we can use words that go in one ear and out the other we're used to in our language in church we talk you know, so what does the Word say? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? Right? Just, we can, we can use that. And, and so immediately, as soon as I say, what does the Word say, immediately you're going to go to um, words on your Bible, words on your phone. What, is, what does the Bible say? Okay? And we lose sometimes the impact of what we're saying. So let me rephrase it for a moment. What has God said about your situation? Because it's not what are the words that you need to what what what's the scripture for me to quote? Because that becomes mechanical and that becomes very kind of just memorization and and, and, and magic formula kind of thing, right? I just gotta quote the scripture and we're good. No, 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 no. It's about relationship, it's about what God has said. When we're talking when we're saying the word of God, we're talking about What has the creator of the universe, what has my father said about my situation? Now I'm dealing with a personality. Now I'm dealing with somebody who loves me. Now I'm dealing with somebody who is taking care of me. I'm not dealing with words in a book and words on on paper. It's a completely, it's a a very artificial way to try to live the Christian life. And that's why so many people have failed. Because they have a relationship with a book, not a relationship with their father. And so the shift that took place for us is an understanding and a revelation of who our Father was and the love of God. That's why the scripture, which so many dealt with yesterday, the perfect love, casts out all fear. It's simply that I recognize how loved I am by my Father, which means that my father's got great plans for me and is taking care of me. So it's just like a little kid, a little kid in, in, in their bed. So Seth, you know, when, when he was a little kid, you know, he's my son. So uh, for you that may not know it, so Seth's my son. And, and you know, three years old, maybe, maybe he had a nightmare. Maybe something was going on in his bedroom. Maybe he was afraid of the dark or whatever. And if he were two or three years old and came and then decided, hey, Mom and Dad, can I sleep with you tonight? What's the reason why he did that? Say again? Safety. Safety. Bec- because he knows that if he's with mom and dad, mom and dad's going to take care of him. Very good. Mom and dad's going to, you know, we love him enough that now he can rest in his father's care. But what do you think would happen if tonight... If I get a knock on the door and Seth shows up, it's like, "Hey, mom and dad, can I sleep with y'all tonight?" <laughs> like, no, no, no. We expect, we expect there to be a time of personal responsibility for him to grow. And to overcome that fear and to face it on his own and to not just expect me to do everything for him. And I think that some of us have been spiritual two and three year olds. That keep waiting for God to do something about the fear in our life instead of just finally growing up and saying, you know what, I'm going to face the fear. I'm going to walk into what God has for me. I'm going to do what He has said. He has already spoken amazing promises over my life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm not going to wait for Him to magically take it away. I'm going to deal with this and not even let it, let it rule my life any longer. You are limited by what's going on in your heart. And so my starting point is I'm already free. Take that Luke chapter 1. My starting point is I've already been delivered from my enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you already been delivered from whatever it is that you're afraid of? That's a big, big deal you got to resolve that question in your own heart. And nobody else can do that for you. Your starting point is, do you truly believe that you've been delivered? Do you truly believe that God is with you? Do you truly believe that no evil is going to befall you? Or are you okay to nurse the fear of it and just be limited in your life. So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? So, what time is it? Sorry, I'm just trying to be... Um, let me try to finish this here in the next five minutes. How do you deal with it? You recognize, number one, you recognize it for what it is. Don't be afraid. See, if I were to say, how many of you, how many of you deal with fear? Or how many of you have fear? And, and some of you might raise your hand, but some of us, uh, uh, some of us, you know, we, we, you know, holier than thou and full of righteousness. Oh, no, no fear here. I don't have any fear, right? And you're dealing with it. And we're not allowed to analyze it. We're not allowed to talk about it. But can I tell you that? that once you overcome fear in one area of your life, that you're always going to have other limiting factors in your life, that you're always going to have to break through the boundary of fear to try to keep you where you are. Wherever you are right now, I'm trying to be, I don't know how what what that uh, camera, um, how wide it is. Wherever you are right now, there is a boundary to try to keep you limited in your current experience whereas God always wants you to move through that to a greater experience. That's why it says we move from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so I've got what is for me good news before a lot of people is bad news is that you're always going to have to deal with fear at some level. But that's a good thing because what that simply means is if, if you... Uh, do you have a question? Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that fear is always a heart matter, or is it sometimes habitual? Like, I Yeah, so is fear... It's a great question. Is fear always a heart matter, or is it, a, it, or is it a hab- habitual? Um, um, I believe that that... I, I think it's one and the same. So that the more that you give in to fear... So the Bible talks about strongholds, right? And so your patterns of behavior... Your patterns of thinking. What has happened now? That pattern has completely bound your heart. So that so that now that pattern of thinking, your heart automatically, it, it just yeah it, it it defaults to that. That's why I'm talking about your default. Okay, and you have to and how do you break through that? You sometimes you just you break through it. It's kind of like. Um, uh, Roller coasters. Okay. How many people here like roller coasters? How many people do not like roller coasters? Okay. Now, we're not going to get into the whys of why you don't like roller coasters, but Jennifer and I, I mean, we like roller coasters, but we took our family up to the second largest, uh, second oldest, but the largest amusement park, Um, in the nation, Cedar Point, Cedar Point, Ohio, they have 17 different roller coasters. And the very first one scared the living daylights out of me. As you come up 300 feet and you look over and it's like, oh my God. And then, but, but we forced ourselves to get on the roller coaster because I wasn't going to let the fear of it rule my life. So I made a decision you know, I could have been fine. I could have sat there and said, oh, I'm never going to do this. I, you know, I'm good. I'm good here on the ground. The Bible says, lo, I am with you always, not high. You know, I could have done it. Could have, right? Could have made all the excuses, but I've made a decision. I'm not going to let fear rule my life. Now, what that means... Is at some point I can't sit there and keep praying in the Holy Ghost and praying God take this fear of roller coaster away. God take this fear. God, I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke. At some point I've got to get on the roller coaster, mm-hmm. and I got to get into the experience of what that is, and I've got to get informed about what that experience is truly going to do, not based on what other people say. Just like picking up that snake, mm-hmm. and then when we did it, it was like. That was amazing. But that was amazing midway. That was amazing kind of at the back yes. of the roller coaster. But there's crazy people that sit on the front of roller coasters. Right here. Like that's a whole nother level of experience, right? So, first, I went from no experience with roller coasters to getting on the roller coaster and having a better experience and that's amazing now there's no fear but guess what there's another level of experience that i could have experienced if i sat on the very front without anybody in front of me and so jennifer and i were like we got to do it at least once we got to get on the front we got to know what that experience is you know and i'm like oh i don't want to do it so i'm dealing with the fear yeah. so again we we took the same approach to the first time we got on to now to experience the next level of experience got on the front it was amazing <laughs> and guess what Then I graduated to another experience with roller coasters. I went from glory to glory to glory. Do you see the parallel here to where then, to begin with, you know, it was like, you know, okay? But then it's like, oh, you know, some people put their hands up. We tried that. Oh, that's weird. But then we forced ourselves through the fear to get our hands up on the front like everybody else and like, This is the most amazing thing ever. It's a joy-filled life. It's not letting fear control my experience. It's actually saying that I'm going to step into a greater experience. Fear is not going to be a limiting factor for me. And the more that I step into that, and the more that I push through that, and the more that I recognize my starting point, is, so so that's, kind of, that's kind of it, right? My starting point is God takes care of me. God loves me. God's given me everything I need for life and godliness. God's given me a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. So that's my starting point. Now, since that's my starting point, what does that look like lived out? Lived out in this experience is child of God acts this way. Jesus acts this way. Yeah, but I'm dealing with all of this fear. Well, you know what? I'm going to... Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just believe something just because you've read about it. Like we all believe that the snake wouldn't hurt us. But you still deal with the fear until you actually do it. And in the experience of it is where faith truly arises and becomes known that God becomes known, that the love of God becomes known. And so as you do that, what happens is your experience in the things of God and in the plan of God for your life will go from glory to glory to glory to one day you're on the front seat with your hands up going, this is the most amazing life ever. And it becomes a joy-filled life. And you enjoy the ups and the downs and all of those kinds of things because you are on the ride of your life. Amen. Amen. And that is what Jennifer and I have experienced for the last 10 years. Is, is by doing all of this and by making the decision that we're not going to be bounded by fear, but we're going to move into the experience that God has for us. As they come, I want to share something that's very connected to what's going on this morning right now. I had one of those moments in 2014. In 2014, we had, um, we had a prophet for the first time in our church since I've been pastoring. God had been dealing with this, me about this. And one of the things that she said when she was at our church was that God was going to begin to send people who are already skilled for the work of the ministry. We wouldn't have to train them, that sort of thing. I thought, well, that's good. The church at the time was way less than 50 people, um, no vision for the church, no growth for the church, or anything like that. if somebody showed up to our church, it was literally by accident. It's usually they were looking for another church. (laughs) I am not lying. We had a church right next door that a lot of times people would show up at our church and we're like, what church are you looking for, so and so? We're like, that's the church next door. And so we knew people didn't come. But, um, and that pro- prophetic word came. And the following Saturday the Lord had me pray uh, at the church and I was praying and he said, Mark you're playing it too safe. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're encouraging the church to step out in the gifts of the Spirit. You're telling them, hey, flow in the gifts of the Spirit, flow in the gifts, prophesy, speak in tongues, and all of that. I was doing to the church what I did to my children. Mm -hmm. I was saying, hey, you can pick up that snake. Mm -hmm. You can pick up that green snake. You do that. He said, but a pastor has to lead by example. And so what he was doing was calling me to step out into the gifts on my own and to prophesy and to do the... Things that terrified me. What if I miss it? What are people going to say? What's going to go on? What if I fail? What if you fail? Did you stop riding bikes the first time you fell off? No, I was like, Psh, I'm going to get this right. You kept working at it, kept working at it. Anything that's ever been, uh, anything that you've ever really accomplished in life is whatever, whatever you've made the decision that you're going to work at that you're going to work through. You work through the failure. You work through, you, you learn through trying and doing and all of those kinds of things, right? You throw fear aside. You don't let fear keep you from those things. You're like, no, I'm going to get this done. That's right. Yeah, but as soon as we fail into things of the Spirit, oh, I guess that's not God's will for me. Instead of, ah, no, I got a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. I'm going to see this thing all the way through. That's right. That's right. And so that was the day seven years ago for the that truly in my life that I laid down everything that was the day that I said but here's the thing the reason I could is because I had already experienced over the previous 3 years the love and the goodness of the father and so i said father you're so good to me and you have such great plans for me i want everything that you have for me And so I set aside my reputation. I set aside my own self-preservation or any of that. And I just say yes to you. And I'm going to go for it. And yeah, there was fear there. But I had to make the decision. The next morning, I told the church, I said, this is what God told me. I said, starting this Wednesday, we're going to learn what it means to flow in the gifts of the Spirit together. To learn to hear the voice of God together, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And there was a there was a lady there that was a there was a guest that there there. Um, I actually went to her. She had like five children, you know. And I, I was like, hey, I just want to make sure are you at the right place. And she goes, no, we're looking for Life of Faith Church. I'm like, oh my God, somebody's looking for us. <laughs> and so she was there for that service that where God had just radically changed my life the day before. That lady was Selena Holliman. That they had just moved to Alabama and that God had somehow used all of these different things that had just happened in the previous week with Mary Fran, uh, the, the prophetess, all of these things that somehow God used every each one of those steps, each one of those things to bring about now what you see here today. You don't know, but what if, what if the day before I had said, God, I just can't do that. I'm going to be limited by my fear. I'm going to let the boundaries of my life stay right where they are by the fear that I've experienced. I just can't do that right now. God would have had Selena and her family go to a different church, somebody else that was yielded to the things of God. I'm convinced of it. You don't know what you're in right now, what you're dealing with, what, how God is working through your life and that you're yes to him and your decision to step through fear and to experience more of God is to take you into a joy filled life. But it's not just for you. It's for others. Because because of that one decision, what what happened? We've enjoyed such a rich relationship. Ministry together. We've watched God work. They've watched me grow. They've watched Jennifer grow. We've watched them grow. We've, you know, we've grown together. Ministry with family. We've become family. That's how important your yes to God is. That's how important it is not to let fear to rule your life and to move into a joy-filled experience. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you. We rejoice. We celebrate your goodness to the life of faith north and what's happened here. Father, we just declare that this Thank you, Father. It's the picture that I'm getting, it's almost like you've just gotten off of um, the roller coasters in the kiddie park. You just stepped up to the big boys. In the sense, not because you have a building or anything like that, but in your experience with God. Some of the things that's already was happening during worship and, uh, is because of the yes that we decided to do as a church seven years ago. And we've grown in those things. And now that DNA and that culture and that spirit is just permeating everything that you guys do. But it's to take you to greater places, to higher heights, to greater influence for this community, for this region. Man, I just see that so big. Like this is, uh, you've just walked in through the gates of Disney World and the things of the Spirit to experience a completely different level of experience in the kingdom. So Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for hearts that are surrendered to you. We thank you for leaders that are surrendered to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we all together that our starting place is that you've already delivered us from the hand of our enemies that's what you've spoken concerning our lives and so that's my starting place that I'm delivered I'm not trying to be delivered I'm not trying to get to joy I'm not trying to get to peace but that's already who I am that's the experience that I have in you that anything that's trying to come to to take that away from me I just simply resist it in the name of Jesus, and I will hold on to my faith. I will hold on to the joy. I will hold on yes. to the hope that has been laid before us. I will hold on to those things that, that bring healing and life to my flesh and to, and to every area of my being in Jesus' name. Just as I'm praying that, connect with this prayer in the name of Jesus. Some of you this morning just make a decision. I'm not going to let fear, whether it's came from whether it's from, from, from habits, whether it's the way I've lived my life, I'm not going to be bound by that anymore. I'm going to step through it. I'm going to press through it. Because when you make that step into the unknown and that step into things that you've been afraid of, here's, what God, here's the promise of God. This is why your starting place has to be the Word of God. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's right there with you. And He's making provision for you. And you go, so you don't go alone. You don't go alone. God's not waiting back here to see how you're going to do. He's right there with you, energizing, giving you His help, giving you His support, helping you grow, helping you have a different experience in Him. Glory to glory. So Father, we thank You for it now. In Jesus' name. We'll take personal responsibility to know your word to know what you have spoken concerning our lives we'll acknowledge every good thing that's in us that jesus has put in us and that's our starting point that when you say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me then that's what i believe and so since that's what i believe i i'm going to step into the experience of that God wants to move you from belief to experience. That's the word. God wants to move you from belief to experience. God wants to move you from belief to experience, man. I'm telling you. It's a word for many of you this morning. You guys are going to be like a rocket ship. Man, just have